0: Hey and welcome back to the MTB Fitness Podcast. Today in episode 5, I'm talking to Cole Williams. Cole is the owner of Fly Distribution, the UK sales agent for KTM, Ursus Wheels and loads of other brands. He's been in the industry for decades racing all over the world in various disciplines and in this episode we're going to detail talking about those races. We talk about tons in this episode, it's well worth a listen. I want to apologise in advance though before we jump in. This was the second ever podcast that I'd ever recorded and I made that amateur mistake of sharing a mic and sitting too far away. Uh, It's completely my fault, it's nothing to do with Col. It does mean that the sound quality isn't great in this episode and I do apologise for that. I can promise you though that Col's fascinating stories and the insight that it brings into the industry are going to make it well worth seeing past the sound quality and I promise you, you're going to come away with some fantastic insights. Pop your headphones on and enjoy episode 5 of the MTV Fitness Podcast. Hey podcast, so today I'm here with Cole Williams, Cole runs Fly Distribution. They are the UK (laughs) sales agents for all KTM bikes that come into the UK, Ursus Wheels, Pookie Kids Bikes and loads of other brands. Cole's been in the industry since 98. I was born in 92, so I'm going to make him feel old today. (laughs) Uh, He's competed at downhill, cross country, all different types of racing uh, under teams like Yeti, Trek and Orange. So he works in the industry and he's also raced for years as well, so he's going to bring loads to the podcast. As you'd expect, he's still super fit and fast on the bike now. But I think it's going to be interesting talking to Cole to find out about how he runs his busy business but still manages to fit in the time to train and ride. So, thanks for coming on the podcast, Carl.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: that's good. So, uh, tell us a little bit more then about you, really, when you started in the industry, you know, you started out, you've been racing, worked in bike shops, yeah, tell. So, yeah, it's
1: been a, a long a long road, really. I started racing uh, bikes in 1988, so pretty much when mountain biking just started. Yeah. Um, it was to do with one of the lads I went to school with, um, was racing schoolboy motocross, and he wanted a, a mountain bike to train on. Right. And I'd sort of, you know, when you're a kid you have a bike knocking around on, and I'd seen mountain bikes in the local bike shop. So I spent 150 quid on and now It was a dream bike. <laughs> <laughs> um So yeah, that was how I got into it. And then quickly, the competitive um, sort of urge took over. And yeah, so that was, what, 30 years ago? Um, so yeah, I've been racing all aspects of cycling since that point. Um, so how old were you in
0: eighty eight when you did your
1: first? Uh, race? thirteen or fourteen. Right,
0: and you've literally been racing since then. Yeah.
1: So um, I had about two years off when I went to university not racing. Um, because it just I decided that i got a bit bored of competing across country. Right. It got less and less technically challenging and it just become almost like a cyclocross on okay. mountain bikes. Got it. And um, I've got to the level I could get to as a junior. And then at that point, there wasn't an under-23 category or an expert category. Right. So it was just like, right, I'm going to go to university and be a student and try and enjoy that and stop racing cross-country. That's when I was at university and before university. Um, but yeah, my first full-time job after university was working at Leather Lakes in um, Preston, That's store there. That was just on the shop floor? Yes, it? well, I started off as a mechanic. Yeah. Um, so because that was what I kind of enjoyed and I was a bit shy and didn't like talking public, so mm-hmm. it's a bit easier to just, changed, away. <laughs> well, um, I kind of, I think after about, I don't know, two or three months, someone must have been off on the shop floor or something, and I realised that I just had to go and fill in, and I realised that I could sell bikes. Right. So it was like, it was quite a good experience, and you realise that if you're passionate about something, you know what you're talking about, and I wasn't, we had a lot of brands, so it was quite easy to talk about the different brands, and yeah, stuff. so yeah, right. I got into that side of it. Funny
0: because I used to be really shy when I was like like when I was in school and into college I was mega shy. Like I remember I was going to college and I'd literally sit not talk to anybody and then go home. I used to be a proper computer geek. Yeah. I used to get home at night, sit with my headphones on and I'd just play computer games all night. And it was only when I became a PT, which was when everyone else went to uni I became a PT. Yeah. Then I got more confident. But now anyone who meets me will think I'm like dead confident. I used to it's be the strange. shyest kid. Yeah, probably. it's
1: amazing how just finding something that you're comfortable with gives you the confidence. Yeah, that's true. And you realise that people that people don't judge you quite like I think you expect. Yeah, other and opinions. I think people
0: judge you less as you get older. You don't care about people yeah. judging you as much. Yeah. And I think people just don't care about what the people do either. Where, uh, when you're in school, it's massively yeah. important what like everyone else's opinion is of you. But as you get older, you just don't care, do you? Yeah.
1: So that was it. It was just a really nice uh, experience. It was a great shop to work in. Um, really good team of people. It was nice doing the cycle shows and that kind of stuff. We used to go and do the NEC when it was like a uh, just a massive jungle sale, basically. Right. Summer. Okay. Um, so it was good to get uh, a proper year in a bike shop um, to make me realise that, yeah, I enjoyed it. But the problem with that was they were open Monday to Sunday, late night Tuesdays, late night Thursdays. So actually getting any time to ride was impossible. Right. Or you'd have uh, like a Wednesday off and all your mates would be at work. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh great, I'm going to ride on my own again. <laughs> um, so it was at that point when I was like, um, I started mechanicing a bit for some of the race team riders. Um... And I had I'd just bought a San Andreas, a mountain cycle San Andreas, which was like an early full suspension bike. And I was riding that. And um, I went on a day with the downhill team to Nanak, the long downhill track. Okay. And was like, oh, I can keep up with these guys. Because I always used to, when I was racing cross country, basically sit in second or third, just behind the leaders until the last downhill, which used to be basically up and then down. Ah, right. Wait until the downhill, and then win the race. (laughs) So I was like, well, Maybe I should do a bit of downhill, because it, wasn't, it well, I hadn't really been a sport until that point. Um, so I swapped uh, my mountain cycle for the downhill, which is the shockwave, and started racing for Leisure Lakes downhill team, and then started running the downhill team. And then when I left and went to do my master's, I was like, I can't start paying retail price, this is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I asked Leisure Lakes if basically I could um, continue running the race team for them while I was doing my master's degree. Right. Um, so me and essentially it was like six mates, ran the lift, well race the leisure legs. right and that yeah. was just cross country or downhill no, well? just downhill just downhill yeah. right so at that point i basically stopped racing cross country right yeah. Just, using the train down down. yeah just start racing downhill um and really enjoyed the technical challenge to it the uh yeah it was just different cross country just become turbo train turbo, turbo train turbo train yeah just that was it yeah there was no skill yeah um so the downhill was like oh, actually i can you can use the skills you've built up and actually and still be fit and that was what I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yes, we started racing downhill, and um, yeah, the team went from being five of us just messing around, basically riding for a shop team, evolved over the course of five years to being the Yeti Europe World Cup team. Right. Well. So we were a UCI team racing. Uh, we had guys all the World Cups. Um, I raced four World Cups wasn't ever good enough to get into the finals In those days we used to be qualifying in the morning. Yeah and then the top eighty would qualify for the final in the afternoon. Okay, got and so you had to get your UCI ranking points to be able to go there. Yeah. And then the hundred or so two hundred people who were racing got whittled down to eighty got in you. the afternoon. Um so yeah I think my best result was like ninety fifth or something. So it was always just Just outside. Yeah, just outside. But well, that was the level I could get to. Yeah. And that was what I think it was t- I don't know, two thousand and I'm not really good Anyway, <laughs> so at some point, it must have been like late 20s, and I finished my qualifier at Fort William, and I was racing VAT, Fort William World Cup, like thousands of people there, and I was at the bottom, and I my chain of jammed on my qualifier, so I had to roll the whole motorway section, couldn't do the big jump and finish, and I was just like, oh, this is just rubbish. And I was sat at the bottom, and some kids, they give like, like, um, flyers to the kids from the local school, and they come out and collect all the autographs of the okay, flyers, yeah. and I signed this kid's book, and I was thinking, what am I doing? Like, am racing forget it you woke up, I should be absolutely buzzing. This is the dream I've had since I was like a kid. You have to exhaust the brand that you like I wanted. And I was like, I'm just not enjoying this. So I stopped racing downhill. Right. Focused more on running the race team, focused more on work, and started doing a bit of Jira. And what that was weren't
0: rare. yeah, so but what weren't you enjoying Just
1: um, downhill is I've heard people say the same thing about surfing, is you are always chasing the perfect run. Right. And even if you win you're still like, oh, I could take off half a second there, I could take off, I could improve that when I do that stuff. And if you are constantly, like, the level I was at, I could win Midlands races quite easily, it was all right, that sort of standard, if I got to a national podiums were all right, I think I got four of national championships and Masters was my best result of that. But you're always, it's always frustrating. And I just got to the point where I'm, I'm riding the same tracks against the same people week in, week out. Right. And it's a bit like um, time trial on the road as well. Is that yeah. got to the point with down where you can look at the start list, you could see who's gonna be there, and you'd be like, Right, I'm seventh. Unless you someone knows before yeah, you went. Yeah, so right, it's like just to do all yeah. Or a I'm spending, or... yeah, that's it. So you're only gonna be better than seventh. Yeah. If you have an absolute blinder, or if it rains or someone has a bad be yeah. you glider, rains, to be right, you're okay. thinking this is we could at the start of the season, we could all agree where we finish. Right. And just do it. Right. And it's like I'm spending thousands and I'm travelling like three day weekends everywhere. At that point, I was working as um, an environmental consultant. So I was doing things like finishing work on the Friday, getting in the van, driving to the airport, going to Croatia, coming back Sunday night, right. sleeping yes. in the car park at work, having a shower in the morning at work, and coming back on the Monday morning. Right. And people are like, what did you do the weekend? I was like, oh, I raced in Croatia. And they were like, oh, yeah, I went to BQ in uh, <laughs> <and laughs> Ikea. And I was like, yeah, I haven't been home, I've just slept in the car park at work. So yes. I it was just crazy, I mean, yeah. you're racing. Thirty races a year. Um, so and you just were doing chasing.
0: it because you kind of just because you started doing it, and then you fell off. Yeah, fell I a just bit um,
1: the I'm amazed to be honest how many people are still racing downhill that I used to race with, and I admire right. their. I focus. I've had a problem, well not a problem but I've like raced cross country for a certain number of years, then raced downhill for a certain number of years, then raced enduro for a certain number of years, then done some road. Now getting back into the mountain biking side of things, it just I, it's like four years, five years, and then I get. Right. Um, some people don't. Some people do. But yeah, I need. I just love racing bikes. It doesn't necessarily matter what type of bike it is. Got it. So yeah, it just has to change.
0: So when you were racing down, you said you got to say ninety fifth. What what was stopping you from getting into the top eight? Tip was it like? Was it training or skill or technology or is I it like in- just, yeah. or Yeah.
1: Well, the, the one th- there was a few times when I realised what my problem was, and the first time was I was racing at Outdoors rubbish track right it was horrendous it was basically just a big grassy field with a few rocks in it and um it was my first time i think it was first time racing a world cup outside the uk um, so me and james huge had gone out to do it we took a mechanic with us and um yeah it was just it was really good at the environment was ace um but and we had the yeti skin suits as well right so it felt really pro so you got off the chairlift um basically just smashing out the Right. Got And that year, Nathan Rennie was racing for Yeti. Okay. Um, and I remember being on this section, and Nathan Rennie came past, and I just tucked in behind him. So I'm thinking, right, he's on the same bike, same tyres. This will be fine. Yeah. So I just tried to sit behind him, and I think after about let's say ten seconds, <laughs> I had to stop because I was scared. Right. Okay. And I was just like, I haven't got the ability to take my brain out to process the information like that. Right. S- so was that.
0: So it's probably, you might have had the skill, but it was more on the mental side, of if I fall off now, I'm gonna break my neck. Yeah,
1: so why, I just, because I had a job as well, do you know what I mean? I was like, I'm kind of enjoying this to the level I do it. And I raced downhill for, I don't know, let's say eight years. Yeah. And never broke a bone. Never, I had some bad crashes, but never, I don't, I can't think of a single weekend I had to have off because i would hurt myself. And people I raced with were off all the time. Yeah. And I just didn't have that 5%.
0: To be able to do that. So it's probably a, a pro and a con, isn't it? It's a pro because you weren't falling off and breaking bones, it's yeah. a con because it kept you at that. But that's why still amazing
1: But that's why Enduro suddenly was like, oh I can right. ride at my 95% pace oh, okay. and go at it forever.
0: And you've got the fitness. Yeah, So
1: the first yeah. um, the first time I really realised Enduro might be the thing for me was going out to do the mega avalanche. Right. So I went out one year just with some mates who were based in Mausine, just nipped across uh, two after to do it, and right. I was like, "Oh, this really suits me." And it wasn't really it wasn't really a jury in the UK at all at that point, so I stopped racing downhill, focused on doing the mega the year after. And I was like, "Right, I'll see if I can actually if I go for the week and actually plan it." Mm-hmm. That's what happened. So I got a reasonably good seeding because the organisers looked at the downhill side of things. Are well, oh, you racing World Cups? You've done this. Let's see how you get on. So yeah. I got front row for the qualifier, yeah. but I was next to Boulier's and. Jerome Clements, and a few of I was like, oh, I was number seven. So when there's two and a half thousand people knocking around, up doing with all the number boards on, and you're number seven, it looks like a one. <laughs> so I was in for the etiquette, like I, got, I kept getting stopped by the French press and all this kind of stuff, because right. they thought I was number one. I was like, no, no, seven. 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 <laughs> so um, because they do different waves of qualifiers, like I was in the front row of the first wave of, I think it was 10 that year, got qualifiers. Yep. So everybody was like, you're number seven, hundred and seven or whatever. Yeah. So you're you're at the the each, each I understand, each. yeah. So yeah, I did four or five McDonald's back in the early two thousands. Got uh I don't think i best all, about twenty third overall. Right. But it was some of the highlights of racing because like yeah I, It's I, a long I, race as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah but it was it's like t- long, yeah for an hour sort yeah. of twenty five miles uh, full on downhill um so yeah that was became my kind of speciality was doing the, the sort of more enduro stuff. Got it um which suited my style of riding because very What's it
0: like for people who've never raced it and you watch the videos and you see the helicopters and it looks yeah, insane. What's it like being one of the riders? Yeah.
1: Um, well, like the first year, well, the first year I did it, um, there wasn't many Brits. So I think there was a couple of years where I was fastest Brit. So I got interviewed for, um, Earth videos and, uh, to press conferences with the press magazine and stuff, and it was just a really good experience. Right. And I said, um, uh, it was the start of one of the years when um, Steve Jones and Alex Rankin just put the camera in the face just on the start line and they were like talk about it I was like oh uh, and I this said this is really good yeah yeah well it's been uh, like it's just followed me forever in fact I said that it's it's a mountain bike race it's not a downhill race and it's not a cross country race it's something that everyone should do if you think you're an biker you should do it because it's just the combination of snow at the top and then big rocks and then fast single track and then swoopy turns through the dust at the bottom and it's just an hour of Testing all kinds of ability. You do have to be fit, you can't just do it because yeah. it's, it's a race. And I remember saying to Steve Jones at the top, uh, he was like, How fast is it going to be? And I was like, Well, a couple of years I've done it, it's, it's not downhill race pace, it's just back of it. And then when we set up, because that year I got quite a good start and Steve Jones was pretty much near me as well, um, I realised that the reason it hadn't been quite well up downhill pace was because you have always been held up. Oh, okay. But that year we got a good start. I remember being on the single track, as it can round out, do it with the helicopter next year. Um, and it was uh, Pascal, Steve Jones, me, and a couple of other guys who raced rocket finals. And you go in absolutely like full pelt with the helicopter next year. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I might have misjudged. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just an amazing experience, just a week of riding great tracks. And it's done in a very French way of them just going, yeah, crack on. <laughs> like this two bits of tape and people cheat all over the place and you just have to follow the guy in front of you because right. especially the French guys got those crazy French lines. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a really good example. I think I might do it again next year. Oh, wow, didn't know that. Yeah, well, it's got to a point where there was a couple of years ago I went back to do it again and there was loads of guys who were saying things like, oh, I finally beat you this year. And it's like, oh, yeah, but I haven't done any training. <laughs> I've just come for a laugh." and a I didn't realise I was like your target man and it, it ruined it for me a bit because I was like... Okay too competitive yeah. i can't if i'm not going to yeah. do it right i don't want to
0: do it at all so i've got a client who um used to play pro- professional football for newcastle then he moved to old athletic and but at his peak he was like playing for newcastle yeah. and his mates always say oh come to the game of football and he never ever plays just because he knows that everyone on the pitch will be having fun and everyone's going to be watching to see if he's any yeah. good or he does the same if he does like a 10k yeah. he'll always do like a 10k on the weekend we'll tell no one he's doing it because he knows that people are going to be looking like oh he
1: slipped yeah. so yeah, so that's why when I moved to Huddersfield, I was like, don't you know what, I've never raced road bikes. Um, and it was a totally new experience. Um, so I had no preconceived idea about how I'd do. No one who I was riding with or riding against Got had in. any preconceived idea about how I'd do. So I just started off doing some crits and doing some road racing. Yeah. And it meant that I could do a race, was it was in York, or like there's loads of little tracks around you can go and race on. So you do your race for an hour, you get your elbows out, you get to have a competitive cycling thing. Yeah. Um, and then you come home again. Yeah. It's not three days in a field yeah. to ride for 20 minutes. Um, so that's why I've kind of tried to manage my racing based around the time that I've got to do it. Go ahead. Because um, the enduro thing was just like to be competitive, you need to be rocking up in a van on right. a Thursday night, live out of your van for the weekend. practice the tracks, like do everything. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't, I can't commit to that. Yeah. Um, and also I, t- I just didn't want to anymore. i just been like, I'm just doing the same thing It's the same people all the time. And it is basically those sort of mountain bike races, whether it's down or over enduro, it's basically a time trial. Right. You against the clock. Um, so there isn't the same tactics or... Um, I don't know it's just the road racing is a bit more of a mental game. You know, you can have 50 guys all line up and a different person's going to win every time. You know yeah. Who gets their, the tactics right? Got so it. it became more interesting for me to race that. Yeah. And it's a much shorter time run. I'm, I'm going to clean bikes. I'm not going to worry about anything. Yeah. So, so that's why I kind of evolves over time as to what I've been doing I'm just picking and choosing ways to race bikes that are fitted in with the hours I've got,
0: got to do it and as you got busier like say you can now race road more and you've got more time to be able to do that yeah
1: that's it so it's just picking ways of getting your capacity fix and getting your elbows out and getting to go racing um, around what motivates you know it's just trying to find something that I might ride because I can't I'm not one of those people who just go to the gym or can just go for a ride I have to have a this way so I've got that event to actually motivate me to do it yeah I don't enjoy doing it just for
0: the sake of it yeah you're naturally quite competitive like for the listeners I've ridden with Col a few times and we'll be at uh Gis- Gis- Gisborne Forest Springs to mind so if you've been to Gisborne Forest there's lots of like downhills or uphills and then there's fire roads that connect the two and there'll be 20 of 20 people on the fire road chilling up and collie will be up in the saddle sprinting to the top is that because you want to be yourself, or do you want to beat the people on the fire road, or do you just always have to give, because you don't ride ever at 50%, if you're riding, yeah. you're
1: riding. That's because I think partly, um, I just like the pain of yeah. being at full pelt, Yeah. whether it be a road bike, a jury bike, or a downhill bike, I always used to, we used to go to Brindon, which is one of the downhill tracks, I used to use all the times, so, and the uplift used to drop you off near the top, right. and it was a push for 50 minutes to the top. Go and I'd always be the only one riding up it. Like even on the foe's down your bike have, like ten inch travel down your bike. I still got that's like, ah, a little power enough to do it because it's like I've only got ten hours to ride. Yeah. So I'm gonna ride the bike yeah. as much as I can. Um so yeah, I don't know if it's if it's competitive or what, but yeah, even on the little like road club runs we've got around here, it's always like right, sprint for that side, sprint for that hill, chase that guy down the hill. That's just how I like to run the bike. Yeah. Which is why I've never really been too good at the long distance rides. I did a right, you have to pace yourself. Yeah, a hundred miles sporty with the club did last, at the at last start of the year. And it's just like, I'm bored. I'm right. Bored. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just couldn't get into the um, the pace in itself. Yeah. So I've done some uh, twenty four hour cross country races, did it as pairs, I've done some stuff as teams of four and teams of five and I really like that kind of go out, smash it, run back, rest, do it again. Do it again. Got yeah. So I've tried to do as much as I can around that. I don't think I ever want to do it solo just, I don't know, pacing yourself on it, having it and not right. riding. It just seems not my type of riding. Yeah, you're completely, 100% all nothing. Yeah, yeah I've always been that. Like. So wherever I'm going for a ride, that's what I try and ride. Even if I'm on my own, uh, if I'm with whoever it is, it's always like, right, let's try and match it.
0: So you like that in life in general, like all or nothing? I
1: think so, yeah. I think um, my neighbours would tell you that, um, like, I live up a set of flights of steps to our house, and I run up the steps every time. <laughs> like, that's just, uh, yeah, how I tend to move. It's, it's, yeah, do everything as fast as possible. And even when I'm in traffic, I mean, I was trying to find a shortcut to get around. It was like, the same. same, like yeah, that. yeah, so it's that kind of uh, mentality, whereas there's always something I'd rather be doing than what I'm currently doing. Yeah. So if I can get this done fast, I can, you can something do something Yeah. <laughs> Got yeah. A, just
0: a, you are, it. Just do you, aren't it? Yeah, I'm so very much the same, I yeah. can't sit still, like, driving over here, I'm like, come on, come on, there's a car in front of you doing 10 mile under, there's people like, come
1: on! So yeah, it's just, I haven't, um, yeah, it's just been trying to get that balance right, and trying to slow it out, and find ways of enjoying it. I bet you find it
0: hard to slow yourself down, don't you? Or do you just yeah. not try?
1: Oh no, it's, it takes me ages, and it wasn't until I met uh, me, my wife Louise, um, that I realised that I, I hadn't been on holiday, really. Do you know what I mean? I was like, get to an airport, and it's like, where's my snowboard, or my mountain bike, or my right. road bike? and then there's a couple of times we went away when we first started uh, sort of seeing each other and I was like, I am not good at sort of sitting back <laughs> and just relaxing. Um, so it takes me sort of three days to get into the mindset of going, right, just relax. <laughs> and uh, then when I get in, it, it's like, I oh, find I can read a book and chill out and um, yeah, it's fine. But it does take me a bit of time to evolve, like relax into. Yeah, just not doing into anything. relaxing. Yeah, because uh, I'm always thinking, oh, it's part of being self employed as well. You, totally, never, yeah, on your back, yeah, you never
0: finish work. Yeah, there's yeah, always ever. something else you can do. I was um, talking to my dad a couple of weeks ago. He'd just gone on holiday and he picked up an email when he got back from work, I think 10 days later. And I was like, Oh, do you not. Um, I was like, You got it 10 days? Like, you like, went away, you got an email pretty much on the day you went, and then he only picked it up when he got yeah. back. And I was like, Did you not check your email while you are away? And he was yeah. like, Why would I check my email when yeah. I'm away from work? Yeah. And like, to someone who's self employed, I mentioned it to a couple of other clients of our businesses, they're like, always checking. I check yeah. it several times a day, you know, from the 1st of January right through yeah. to the end of the year and you're over the same, you're never off. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a different mindset. I think if you're self-employed, you've got your own business, you love that and that's the yeah. way you like yeah, it Yeah, I mean, it's it. got
1: a load of positives, but it does, Yeah. Um, it means that even if, because I, I live probably less than a mile from the, from the offices yeah. and I thought, this is brilliant, we've got showers at the offices, I can go for a ride on my way to work and it's going to be like, it's perfect. Yeah, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I did it once. Uh, no, I did it. once oh, Yeah, yeah, Sorry. I did it once. In once in the morning, I thought, well, I'm gonna get up. I'll go for a ride, Thank and then I was work. Once. Yeah. We've been here six years. Yeah. Because it's just like I'm always thinking. Oh, if I get to work, I've got a bit of quiet time. I can smash out some emails. I can just a the tidy up. Yeah. And it's just yeah. So when I used to have the offices in Delta, the old part of the world, um, it used to be an hour's ride to work in the morning. Yeah. I didn't. So <laughs> I haven't taken advantage of it at all. So yeah, do you
0: find that, because I definitely get it, like today for example, I went for a ride with Ozzy, you know, my yeah. mate, who's was going out for two hours in the afternoon, and I have to literally put it in my diary, and today I'm like, there's a million other things I could be doing, like I've got two important projects in the world like, that are going on that I've kind of got deadlines for today that I need to finish, and I'm like, right, well I've got this interview and then I'll get back, and I'm riding at two till four instead of working, and in the back of my mind I'm like, should be working, should be working, I presume you get
1: the same thing, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that's, that's why I haven't, I've, I have probably done. Hours on my bike in the past two months total, yeah, because I've just been, I've just had other stuff to do, yeah. And I think it's taken me quite some time to get into a position where I don't feel guilty for not riding, right? But equally, I know I'm a better person if I do ride, like it gets to a certain point when we sort just boot me out of the house and I go for it, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, because if I don't, if I feel that this stuff getting in the way that I, I want to be riding more, then I'm a horrible person because yeah. I'm like, this is getting the way. My choice in a way, if I'm like, right, This is this I'm currently putting ahead of riding bikes, mm-hmm. then I don't feel guilty. It's just after about two months, I'm starting to like, And need to right yeah, bike. Yeah, so that's why I did that 30 days um, in was April, I think it was. Yeah, um, so we spoke about Yeah,
0: so this is the cold decided in like April, like say, to ride for 30 days straight. So every day, whether it was just for 20 minutes in the morning or yeah, if it was a whole four hour ride. Yeah,
1: um, so it's a it was an initiative, I think, that started in the States. It was just this 30 days of biking, okay seen it on Instagram for two and a few bits and pieces. And I was like, oh, there's loads of people doing this. Like, I love riding bikes. If I can't do this, how can I expect kind of our customers and the end users to want to use their bike? Yeah. Because um, the industry in the UK is very sport-based. It's not utility. Yeah. So like, yeah. if I yeah. can't yeah. use my bike for every day for 30 days, this is a pretty bad thing. Mm. I supposed to love riding bikes. So there were some days that I was just like, right, I'm gonna go and ride to the Chinese to pick the takeaway. <laughs> i was like why don't i do this all the time yeah like it's brilliant and then other days i'd be like well, i'll take the bike in the car with me down in south wales for meeting some dealers so i just got the bike out of the car went for a really nice road ride got back in the car like fine
0: so did you find that was there a positive or a negative effect on your relationship with lou with your business with your life in general like were the positives or negatives uh, and find yeah Because it? it's a big time commitment
1: though. yeah yeah well, it was just kind of um it was really good because like Louise totally spoiled me, everyone was just like, right, come on, you just go and ride your bike. So I just remembered that right, even if I went for an hour on Swift or went for a mountain bike ride on the e-bikes or did something, it just made me realize that every day, if I don't ride a bike, it's because I'm making an excuse. Now, whether that excuse is a genuine reason or whatever, but it's like, I could go for a ride. Mm-hmm. I mean, today's a beautiful day, I could easily grab one of the e-bikes from the office, go for a quick half hour lap round here, uh, come back, have a shower back into work. Yeah. So i could make that decision yeah, yeah. easily yeah um or i could be like right well, i'll just sit in the office and do some emails yeah and it's sometimes i've got to be like will i enjoy the ride if i know i've got to do this yeah so yeah so we, we had that outside tap fitted finally after being here for five years i was like right we need to get an outside tap fitted so we can hose the bikes down yeah. and just be a bit easier to make this happen so i, I knock one thing off the excuses list yeah um because i always feel like I'm
0: I'm a big believer, and I find it hard to follow my own advice on this, even though I'm MTV Fitness. <laughs> but um, I'm a big believer that when you do ride or train, whether it's going to the gym or going on Swift or going for a ride, that you actually work better. So let's say if you have eight hours to work, I strongly believe that if you work for seven hours and ride for an hour, those seven hours will be better than the eight hours you would have had. However, I do find it hard to follow my own advice. Like today, I literally just had to book in a ride at two and Ozzy's going to turn up at my house ready to ride at 2 or else today I know that I would just end up working all day.
1: Yeah. Well that's why it's good to have uh, either a ride buddy or a club that you meet yeah, yeah, It the Because it suddenly becomes You have to be somewhere at a certain point or someone's going to turn up on your door Yeah. Like, we're riding it's like yeah. right because like a couple of years ago when I first moved to I was going out every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday with the club and it was just like right 7 o'clock I'm going to turn up because there's loads of people there yeah. and it was brilliant to get that routine and I have got out of that habit mm-hmm. and um, there's a whole lot. of gives you a, a focus to do it. And you're right, like I, I used to have the office attached to my house because a while we used to have a big warehouse in gossip to distribute things in a more traditional sense. Okay. And then when we became sales agents it was much more like right, the stocks held in warehouses in Austria or Germany and stuff so we don't need to have a warehouse. Yeah, yeah. So um I rented the big house and we have the offices that we used to work in that was attached to the house. But it meant that I would just be like oh just nip into the office yeah. and do some work. Yeah. So I was working crazy hours because you always think well I'm, you can always do a new set, so you can always send me yeah. And I just wasn't riding the bike and I got like, put some weight on, just became angry about that stuff, and then I realised that right, I need to get back into life. Yeah, um, So yeah, I, I think can
0: completely relate, and I think you probably struggle to meet anyone who's self-employed or has their own business who hasn't struggled with that. I know when I was, so when I started MTV Fitness a couple of years ago, then I was building up the audience and building the 12-week programme, which launched in February, just gone. And over that period, like kind of February to February, when I was putting together the programme, I put on about a stone, I didn't realise, yeah. it was just gradually going on, and I was doing a bit more weight training, and I was like, yeah, it's probably muscle, and then I saw a couple of photos, and I've always been like a skinny <laughs> kid, I was like, face looks a bit fat. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I that's sit that's down, to, yeah. and like, my boxer shorts have full over yeah. a bit, and I have more to grab, and I'm like, I'm a PT, I'm inspiring people to train, and I was going out riding, I could still hold my own, yeah, yeah. but I was nowhere near as fit as I wanted to be, and it's just because you just get so focused on, on work and business, and... Like, since February, I've lost a stone, I'm riding more, and part of it is through eating better. I think just focusing on it. Yeah. And it is following your own advice, that it's better to, I do think it's better to have an hour to train or ride in a day, and the rest of your work is good. And you can still work for, you know, you can still do a 12-hour work day if you want, yeah. and you've got family, and kids, like, wife, whatever you've got, you can still fit in the exercise. Yeah, this and it add. has a positive effect on the rest of it. Mm. I do think it's hard to get over that. And other people, people who are... People who are self-employed or massively connect with this, they like in the same. But it's the same if you work a nine till five and you've got two kids that you need to see and you've got your wife, I think you just need to, or your husband, um, you just need to have it as your priority mm-hmm. to, I need to train for half an hour.
1: Yeah, because you make sure, I mean, there's certain people who have whatever they've got in their life, it's fine. But for people who need that kind of, just the fresh air, it's so good yeah, for It really for, is, yeah. Um, all that mindfulness stuff. Yeah, oh, it's totally
0: true though. Yeah. And you have and you're out riding, and you have an idea and you're like, That is a brilliant idea yeah. and you only get that when you're quiet when you're thinking. And it could be when you're, you know, if you're employed and you're out riding and you have a great idea or you think, you know what, actually I'm not that happy with my job. And when you're in the job, you don't see that, it's only when you're out and about and you might meet someone and Yeah, I agree, I think it's massively important to yeah. Well it's just a social thing as well, so it's yeah. it's
1: been it's been really hard to especially in the bike industry. I mean I'm like looking at, talking about bikes all the time. Have been for about 10, well it's been more than 10 years now since the set of my company. And it's like, I am not taking advantage of why, I, why I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah. And I, I do remember, and then there's days where you drift in and drift out of it. Yeah. Um, so I just, I've just i got to, that's why I want to pick some targets for next year, is like, right, make up lunch, some racing, get some stuff booked in, that I'm like, right now I've got a focus to train for and to do it. Yeah. I think that's a
0: good tip, I think for anyone listening, if you set a goal like that, it holds you accountable. I'm doing a uh, MTB Fitness, so- you can come to this, uh, MTB Fitness social ride on the 8th of December, this is Saturday at Gisborne Forest. And I'm like, right, like I'm fairly fit on the bike at the moment, I've got good fitness, and keep up with most people, blah, blah, blah. But I'm kind of like, right, I'm rocking up and there might be 50 people there <laughs> all following. Need to be fit on the day. So like, that's so good, because it holds me accountable to it. So like today, where I might text Ozzy and say, I'm not going to ride, I'm like, I really need to ride, because yeah. I want to be fit on that day. I and I always have a base level of fitness. I always eat decently. I always stay fit and slim and da-da-da. But like you say, you can go deeper into it or further out of yeah. it. And I find that having dates like that to hold me accountable to train towards really helps. Because yeah. they, they hold you to it, don't they? And I think paired with that, like you say, you do the same thing. If you agree to meet someone and ride with someone, that just holds you accountable. I went riding a few a couple of weeks ago. There was a Sunday where I hadn't ridden in about four days. And there was a Sunday where we were babysitting all day. And we were out of the house for 10 a.m. Um, normally I just spend, sofa, spend, sofa, spend Sunday morning when we go for a sofa, and I agreed to meet Ozzy at, I think we rolled at 6am, something like that, on Sunday morning, yeah, yeah. so we were up, 5am get up, had a quick little bit of food, went out for 6, I think I was back for 8, and yeah. sofa's still in bed, I just got brought her a cup of tea and went yeah. down, and I was like, I could definitely do that every Sunday, and it was just, I know, as self-motivated as I am, I know that when the alarm went off at 5am, if I was riding on my own, I would have just gone back yeah. to sleep. I would have snoozed it and turned it off. Whereas, because I knew I was meeting Ozzy, it, yeah. w- it was going to happen. Yeah. Like, I would never have left him standing. It and I would just and he would think of the same thing as well. So yeah, exactly, like
1: You've got that motivation to do it, and yeah. that's why it does help having someone there you that
0: you can can I thought Ozzy's just a weirdo. <laughs> because, <that one.
1: laughs> the reason I say
0: that, he started running at 3.30am before work. So he gets yeah. in work yeah. at 6am and he sets the line for 3, goes for an hour run, he's absolutely nuts. So Ozzy's kind of the freak of nature who would just get yeah. up at 3am. Well, I'm not like that yeah. though, I know yeah. that I won't, so I have to think, right, my weakness is that I know I'll stay in bed. Mm-hmm. So it's, right, what can I get over that, I'll go and see Ozzy. And people use me for the same thing, I have clients at 6.30am, or at whatever time you are through the day. It can be after work, it can be before work. They love coming to see me at that time, because they have an appointment at 6.30 or at yeah. 5.30, no matter how busy work is. they know they have to come and see me. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it's getting that into your calendar and your your means that you can make the best use of your time. Yeah. Um, which is crucial, in think, point wise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why
0: the e-bike thing, so we'll talk about it. Yeah, so e-bikes. We both feel quite strongly, positively for our e-bikes. And I think, I don't actually talk about it much on the podcast, but I think the reason it pisses me off so much when people slate e-bikes is because a lot of people want to get into riding. And you've got people who might only be able to ride what, and you it, they're for everyone, but you've got people who might only be able to ride once every three weeks. They can go riding with the mates who ride three times a week, and they can still keep up. And I think when people call people and say, oh, they're for cheats, they're for losers, they're for this and that, it just puts that person up from riding. And I just don't think anyone should have permission to put somebody else down and make that person sit in the house because they're embarrassed to go around an e-bike. Um, I think they're, they're just a bike. People see them as scooters or, you know, you Quicker a button that it takes to the top you still work hard on a scooter particularly if you're in on a scooter on an e-bike particularly if you're less fit like i find i can have a decent workout on an e-bike i know you're going to give me examples um but i think if you're unfit it's still a workout and the bike weighs 20 odd kilos like you ride that downhill it takes a lot of strength and a lot of effort i think i, I, I completely disagree with any kind of like bullying or hating on other people i think everyone should do what they want to do I like to ride a normal bike, I like the pain, I like progressing, I like all those sides of it, and for that reason, I don't have an e-bike as my main bike, but if I did get one, I wouldn't expect to get hate from anybody else. And I'm quite strong-willed, I really don't care, people who call me every name, they do on MTV Fitness, I'll post on. <laughs> people comment, you're stupid, why are you saying that? Like, everything I say, you know, you'll get 80% of people who are like, yeah, that's a really good point, and people are just start slating me and say, especially when I mention e-bikes, so, or I've got a 40% rule, so the Navy SEALs have a 40% rule of that, when you think you've finished, and when you think your body's done, your body's actually only at 40% of it's limit, and it's the mind holding you back. Um, and a lot of people buy into that idea, and they say 40% to themselves on the climbs, and they'll nail it, but then you get people commenting, saying, oh, that's a lot of rubbish, <laughs> like, you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest reason i like, four e-bikes is because they get everybody out onto the trails, and it just annoys me when other people try and put other people down, I'm massively against that. So I know you're really passionate about well, it. The
1: thing with, uh, I'm going to say mountain biking, but it's not, it's all kinds of niche extreme sports. So it's the same about like BMX, snowboarding, with skaters, with everything. And it's everyone is so focused on their little bit of it, that they think everyone else is bad. So when you go to a skate park, it's the yeah. BMX is looking down on the kids on scooters, we look down on the kids on rollerblades, who are looking at it. And it's like this tribalism, I suppose, is, is what causes problems. So in mountain bikes, we've had it for ever, since like the 80s when we first started. I remember being on a mountain bike ride in the early 90s with someone going, oh, you don't need suspension, suspension's for losers. (laughs) All right, and then similar conversations like, disc brakes, oh, why do you need disc brakes? Disc brakes are for losers. And then like, oh, this, and it's just like, right, progression is fine. If you want to still be riding a 1985, fully rigid steel mountain bike, crack on. No one's (laughs) not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Anything other than that, 29 wheels cause the same problems. Oh, it's just roadie wheels, it's big wheels. Everything
0: yeah. is progression. Yeah, it's true. yeah.
1: So, and everyone looks down at someone who has the, like, either you get looked down because oh, someone spent 10 grand on this, and you're like, well, it's like, it's brilliant. They can do, yeah. that's fine. There's no problem at all. It should be trying to be more inclusive. And the e-bike side of things has been a real uh, turning point for the industry over the past five or six years, and we've seen it with KTM because we've been involved right from the start, is the fact that 10 years ago, if you bought an e-bike, it was a cheap, small-wheeled Chinese commuter bike. That's all they were. Got because it never works in the rain, it was just a utility vehicle built for the Chinese market or the European cities and stuff for people getting from A to B. That was what it was for. And because the UK cycling industry is pretty much sport based, most people—when well I say most people, I say massive generalisation, but a lot of shops are owned by people who are cyclists or people who consider their hobby or their sport. Yeah. And those people also ride like to work. Yeah. People. There's not many people in the UK who have a bike who don't consider themselves to be cyclists. Yeah. They don't just ride like to work. Away and yeah. as well as the shops and the bike away, it's not air transport. So because of that, e-bikes didn't really take off in the UK. Um, whereas suddenly when the proper bike brands started making e-bikes, especially when they started making EMTBs, you using Bosch and Shimano and these other motors, it became a quality product that actually fitted into more the way the industry worked. Um, and now people can use an e-bike to get to work or can use an e-bike on a boat ride and It's a good product that's working. So just like when 29 is first launched, the geometry was all over the place, the wheels weren't strong enough to cover the extra size, e-bikes when the first launch, there was loads of things that were wrong with them. And gradually the industry and the products that are used on e-bikes are starting to cope with the fact that this bicycle um, is is not just normal Matter you need longer chainstays to with the extra power, so you don't need power, you need the weight distribution is all differently. Um, so yeah, the geometry has been improving, so you get better and better products every year. Um, so it's just been improved. When I first started doing it, I thought this was a joke, product, this is a total Because uh, <laughs> that's what I was I'm um, bike racing. So why would you want an e-bike? good to the point. But yeah, for me, I'm totally
0: converted. You told me about, so, and you are fit. You're fitter than probably 90% of people listening to this podcast, or when you're at your peak, you're definitely out of, like like, destroying most people on a bike. So it, I think it's good coming from someone who's fit. It's not somebody who's got a heart condition who's riding an e-bike, and e-bikes are brilliant for that. You're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where... You were saying yourself, you love to go 100% in, 100% on nothing, you're going to sprint to this. So you are a fit rider and you still enjoy riding e-bikes yourself. Yeah. So you, you told me an example a while back of when you used to commute to work and you used to take your X amount of time and X effort and you did it on an yeah. e-bike.
1: Um, so that was um, a bit of an experiment for me really, was that I, um, the more time I spend with e-bikes and the more time I spend with customers who've got e-bikes and you speak to shops and you speak to end consumers at shows and stuff, I was like, these aren't just for people who've got whatever yeah. There's the whole sort of raft of reasons why you're on an e-bike. And I used to commute from Huntsville to Delta. It's up over the a it so It's quite a big climb. It's about an hour yeah. if I was in full Lycra, road kit, and on my road bike. thousand feet of climbing
0: that. Yeah. It? and
1: it's a pretty straight road as well. So there's yeah. no sort of traffic lights and junctions and stuff. So I was like, I wonder how it is on an e-bike. So I like obviously I've got Strava segments. I've got my Garmin on. I knew everything about that ride um, because I'd always try and get to work as fast as I could or get home again, try segments so like, I'll try it on a hardtail mountain bike. So I had a 29 inch wheeled, nobly tired, uh, just normal mountain bike, it's an e-bike. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll go at the same heart rate, at the same effort, i.e., just flat out, yeah. <laughs> and see how it takes it's to, cool it to work. Typical old <laughs> Yeah, so, why not, so yeah. Um, so I saved 15 minutes each way. Right. So I was like, so I've got half an hour a day, extra, to do stuff. Yeah. Whether that be stay in bed, or, or work, so I'm not putting out any less effort. Yeah. it's right, so the same. Yeah, half is the same. So I'm putting out just as so much effort. So I've I've done it in 45 minutes instead of an hour. Yeah. So yeah, I've got 45 minutes extra instead of an hour's exercise, but it was an hour and a half a day. But you can still have an hour. You
0: just go a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, You ride past the office and carry on riding for seven minutes, then turn around. Or if you're on an e-mountain bike, you can uh, pick a downhill. Yeah, that's And what you can do, go I mean, and ride yeah. a downhill. So yeah. you can either have 15 minutes in bed in the yeah. morning, or you can have 15 minutes extra yeah. so riding the bike, park, or take a bike.
1: Route, that's the joy of being on my mountain, but plus the couple of the horrible roads around it. I had less bumps and punctures, I was sat upright so I was safer. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't having to ride. So there's a load yeah, of reasons I was like, John, this is just brilliant. I can see the point of that. So then I was like, right, after doing it a week at the same heart rate, I'll try it aiming at the same time. Okay. So I'll aim for an hour as, so if I'm trying to get work for nine, I'll set up eight. So Go I'll on. just spin along, right? So I've using the back the motor more, but I'm just spinning to work. So I didn't even break a sweat, on so my heart rate So I get to work in an hour, so I don't spend all day eating. I'm not knackered. Yeah, spin over again, dead easy. So then I can get home. I can go for a proper ride. Yeah. So it means I'm replacing my car, and the bike, but I'm still getting the fresh air. I'm still getting a bit of exercise. I'm still getting out there. So I get to work much more relaxed because I'm not sat in a traffic jam. Um, and then when I get home, I can go on the club run, but I can still race, or I can do whatever because I've not, I've not destroyed myself. Yeah. So when on the road bike, I could do two, three days at max a week. On the e-bike, I could do four or five days with no impact on the time or anything else. Yeah. So I was like, "This is brilliant."
0: And you think of that effect. Like, not everybody who rides mountain bikes just wants to be as physically fit as possible. Like, think of the mental effects. If you've got depression, the idea of going out for a road bike ride for an hour and nailing yourself is like, I don't want to do that. But if you think, well. An e mountain bike is going to help me up that hill, so I don't mind. Someone who's depressed might get out on the bike for an hour. Oh, yeah. You no, know, in the extreme circumstances, I
1: can save someone's life. Right, yeah, well, that's and why they, they genuinely change people's lives. Yeah. Is that um, the e mountain bike is a classic example where we've, got, we've always got 10 20 knocking around here, the demo bikes and stuff. And the number of times that it's just you finish working, you know what? I am not in a good place. Yeah. I'll just grab. It. Because even if you're feeling ill, like there's the a number of times I'm like, I'm bummed up, I'm just not in a good place, I don't want to go for a ride. Mm. But you just get the e mountain bike. For a spin, it clears your head, it clears your airways. You get back, and you go you know what? and you end up going further than you would do. Yeah, and it's just a brilliant uh, product. So, like, I tend to ride e bikes when I'm on my own because if you go for a ride with someone else who's not on an e bike, yeah, just, there's just no point. You've just got a heavy bike, yeah. But I've met one of the guys locally who bought an e bike off us, one of our demo ones. He brought it back for his first service. And when you plug the bikes in, it's much more like a car, you get a diagnostic report, so you can see how, oh, the, how, how the motor's being used how long they're in turbo, how long they're in eco, all that kind of stuff. Right. So I put in this diagnostics chart and I was like, so I have use the motor. Like, is this, is it broken? So when he turned up, I was like, uh, you've not been using this, like we use our bikes on turbo the whole time, like go for a yeah. turbo. Yeah, yeah. More, more <laughs> and he came and he was like, oh yeah, that's because basically I ride with I don't know, 10 guys and none of them have got e-bikes, but I am the least fit of them. Right. And I'm trying to lose weight and trying to get fit. So what I'm doing is I'm going for the ride and when I get to the point that I'm done, then I turn the motor on. Right, okay. And I'm like, wow. So you're basically riding a heavy bike with extra resistance, because the motor just gives some drag, for as long as you can, and then you go and ride and done, motor on. Yeah, you chew. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So, so I was like, this is just brilliant. So he's like, he's basically trying to use it as a gateway. Yeah, To get him back into normal bikes. Yeah. So I was like, I haven't even thought of that use. Yeah. And then the other use, like the wife's gone. So when yeah, we go for I a ride, Either I go on e-bike as well, I just put one on eco and she goes on turbo, or I go on my normal bike and I get a really good workout yeah. and she's laughing, like giggling away yeah. on the climbs, knowing that actually, it's changed the whole dynamic. Yeah. So when normally she wouldn't come because she's like, well, you're just waiting for me, this I just feel embarrassed, I feel bad the whole time. Now, because the tables are turned, I know that someone has to be last in every ride I mean, have been experienced cyclists oh. to know that sometimes that's me and sometimes it's not me. And mm-hmm. whoever's last, you don't have to make a big deal of it. But if you are continually at the back and you feel bad and you know that like it's easy for me because I have been like, when I'm fit, I'm fit. And if I'm not fit, I know I can get back to being fit quite easily. Yeah. and I know the reasons why I'm not fit. But if you are the person who's last on that ride or you're the slowest out of your group of friends, changing that is quite difficult because you are always the last one to top yeah. the climb. And everyone's like, right, we're going now. And you're like, I've not had a break. Yeah. Um So the e-bike means that you're the first to top the climb. And if you want more exercise, you just knock it down on the system level. Yeah. So it's a brilliant product.
0: Yeah, and if you're thinking, so with training, you know this, you kind of like go, you want to periodize it and gradually build up. So if you ride, that's a, that's a good example, just pick one hill that's a mile long and a thousand feet of climb and just keep it simple. If you ride with your mates with an e-bike, you can put the resistance at a level that you keep up with your mates and you finish at the same time and you're probably just as knackered as your mates. Mm-hmm. And then next week you can not the, the effort, next month, sorry, you can put the, um, the assistance down a notch and then down a lot. And it allows people who are much less fit to get into riding and then gradually build up to riding a normal mountain bike. Yeah. Um, if that's the way you want to yeah. do Yeah. So. Or
1: these people, um, like we're relatively close to Sheffield. So we've got Grenoside and Warncliffe and stuff to ride. So I took uh, Bernie Works for us quite a bit with two full suspension mountain bike e-bikes to uh, And I was like, right, I'll show you why they're so good. So we got there and all the lads on the downhill bikes and enduro bikes knocking around. Oh, yeah, bikes are cheating and all that. And I was like, right, watch. <laughs> so, um, We turned up at 9 in the morning. By 12, I think we'd done 25 runs. And we were knackered. Like, upper body workout, you'd be riding, like, totally done it. The guys who were pushing all bikes, if they'd done five runs or four runs, I'd be impressed. And it's like, right, we're off home now. Because we've had a really good workout. We've learned, we've improved our technical ability, we've improved our skills. We've been riding a heavy bike, so we've had a really good upper body workout, and we've pedalled up every single run. Whereas you've walked up every single run, and you've done five that. Yeah. So who's, who's laughing? Yeah. Totally <laughs> and agree. Yeah, yeah. And there's a number of people, especially because I'm like ex Daniel racer. I've got loads of friends who raced to race Daniel. And the number of people who say oh, I was cheating, it's like, yeah, but you're paying for an uplift. Oh, we used to go and race with chairlifts. Yeah. Like, so why wouldn't I rather ride up?
0: I and agree. <laughs> it
1: just baffles me. The so thing
0: yeah. with me of all of that as well is that it's none of your business. Yeah, that's it. Also <laughs> I, to I it, yeah. totally agree with all yeah. the examples there, but. It's just none of your business whether i'm riding like, a normal bike or an e-mountain bike or I'm not like it, it just it doesn't matter
1: there's a lot of people in the industry who are very um anti-bikes because of the the sort of direction of travel because it's seen as the next step is more powerful or more motors and this kind of stuff yeah or with a throttle which then you have more issues with erosion and that kind of stuff now granted you've got more issues with erosion because as the example i gave we did 25 runs not five runs. yeah so you do do more riding, so therefore there's more erosion. Um, and we just need to get all the people who ride e-bikes into the fact that these trail sands and these stuff don't build themselves. So if you're yeah. doing more riding, you need to maybe think about joining trail building queue or yeah. donating to do stuff, whatever it is. But they are a the great product to actually give access to people who wouldn't do it. Um,
0: and the more people that are into mountain bikes, uh, who are buying mountain bikes, the more money there is in the industry. It's a good kind of like, as you know, I'm like dead into my cars and like, you know, it's all the supercar manufacturers. Lamborghini have just brought out the SUV, the Euros. And everybody's like, why are Lamborghini making a uh, SUV? Porsche. So they were only like only Porsche 911, they were only sport cars. And then they brought out, they were, they were dying off. They were at the point where, to the best of my knowledge, people know best, they were about to die. Then they brought out the Cayenne, the big 4x4, that massively spiked sales. Then they had all that money to build loads of other sports cars. And now they build everything from your 50 grand sports car up to your 250 grand top of the road one and the only reason that they're still here and there's so much money in the company is because a load of the sales come from SUVs. You could kind of apply the same kind of, whatever the word is, that to mountain biking. And now if you've got a mountain bike company, say KTM, and they're selling all these bikes, suddenly, they've increased the revenue by 30% because they're selling a load of e-bikes, that's only gonna trickle down back into the normal bikes. And the normal bikes get cheaper, you've got economy scale, you can have a bigger factory, and the bikes get cheaper from that point of view. There's more money in it so they're developing better technology like it's to me the more money that people spend on the mountain bike industry the better it's going to get for everyone it's going to get cheaper it's going to get better it's
1: well e-bikes uh, for us um well for me it's like i am the bike industry through i've been in for years so supporting the local bike shop for me is crucial because i got my first job in a local bike shop everyone gets their first sponsorship deal for the local bike shop it's where people start mechanicing. it's all this kind of stuff so it's all well and good buying your bike on internet. I can see what people do that, I can see the money you save, that's no problem at all. Yeah. But without the bike shops, we lose a load of things, like tons and tons of stuff. So um, trying to find ways to help them is a good thing. Mm. Now the e-mountain bikes is a particularly good example of a product that bike shops can sell, and they're not competing with online as much because postman's a bit of a nightmare. The customer's perceived concerns about warranty and yeah. servicing and stuff are a bit more of a problem but it also means that the e-bikes, you can plug them in, the Bosch system is brilliant. You can plug it into the diagnostics, you can tweak loads of stuff, you can like, um, print out data. Di- so you get a, when you get your bike, you get a report. When you do the service, you get a report. When you sell it, you get a report. So the end user gets, it's much more of a vehicle kind of experience. Yeah. So buying from a local shop makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, people don't tend to have a as much. They don't discount it online. It's just like you don't buy, people don't buy cars online, really. Yeah. It's not the sort of thing you do. So this e-bike thing is really good for the bike industry from that point of view. Uh, and it's also a whole new customer base we've spent as, a, as an industry the last 10, 15 years fighting over the same customers. There's only X number of bikes being sold in yeah. the UK because we've all been chasing the same people yeah. and not looking to expand the actual market. Yeah. There's a lot more people who don't ride than do ride. Yeah. So rather than all the brands and everyone else focusing on chasing those customers, which is what we've historically done, this is a new way of doing it. Yeah. So the e-bikes allow us to go out to another market so it's much more, there doesn't seem to be the same competition with the brands. I mean, it's not really that sort of industry rule, Friends, anyway, it's not the same kind of like yeah, competition. competition, but with e-bikes particularly, it does seem that the, the whole emphasis is just get bums on seats. So we'll do something with KTM or Highback Bike or Cube or Scott, whatever we we'll want to do things. And it doesn't necessarily matter if the customer really loves your bike. It's just getting them to realize, right, this is how your bike feels, this is how it works, this is what the experience is going to give you. Yeah. And then we're all, chasing those new customers, whether they be sport bike yeah. customers who are looking right, I want to ride mountain bikes, but I want to get more runs in, or I've only got two hours to ride, I want to be able to do my full loop in that time, or yeah. I do two loops in my lunchtime because I've got a lot of time. Or it's people who are like, right, well this is a vehicle, right now, a bicycle I can get to work on that because it's made either the distance or the hill suddenly attainable. Or it means the time frame I can get to work makes it an option. Yeah. So it's making people realize that there can be perfectly valid utility vehicles. So whether it be a cargo bike or a shopper or whatever it is, got on it, an e-bike makes that a thing, more people are using them for couriers, or we've got a couple of guys, we've got KTMs, who do the um, Deliver Rooster, and it's just all these things that like, if we can get more people riding bikes, Yeah, that's that's in bike the same, bike. You know. it's the same problem that mountain bikers have got, is that we are selfish, and everybody who rides at, at any centre, or the track we've got, there. Like, you don't want any more people coming, mm. and it's like, yeah, but if more people come, there is more places to ride, you don't get places like Whistler without economies of scale. Yeah. So you have to have a bike park that does it and then yeah you get all your secret tracks off the back of it and that kind of stuff, but you need bike park rails and you need these trail centres to be in place for the industry to grow and the industry grows is what you need for the brands to work and then you've got marketing spend the race teams get the money if it comes from so it more people are aware, well, so it gets some T V and it's a positive spiral. Yeah. But if you want to keep it just you and your five mates and don't let anyone else do it, yeah, it's never gonna go anywhere. Yeah. So it's 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 always interesting times in the bike industry and whether it be our oh, mountain bikes are the next big thing or Wiggins effect when road bikes or e-bikes are doing this, and it's always a tradition versus progress type situation.
0: I think, in my opinion, the more people that are riding bikes and getting the benefits, both physically and mentally, and from the social side of it, to me, the better.
1: I agree.
0: I think that's probably quite a nice way to end the podcast. Perfect. So, Col, thanks very much for coming on. If people want to know more about you and Fly Distribution. Where
1: do you tend to send them? Uh, right, well, the we don't tend to do much promotion with flyers as set off because it's obviously more about the brand. So yeah. we've got our KTM Facebook page, we've got Pookie Facebook page, versus um, we've used Fire Italy. Um, but yeah, it's on all social media, just find Fly Distribution and find it somewhere. Perfect, cool.
0: That's a lot coming on. No problem at all. Be Cheers, back go. Welcome back and thank you so much for listening to episode 5. I told you, Cole's got some amazing stories, and now you've listened to the podcast, I'm sure you agree. I apologise again for the sound quality, it's my mistake completely, it was just a, a rookie mistake of not having a clue how to deal with sound equipment, uh, but as you can probably tell, as the podcast's moving forward, the quality's getting better and better, so thanks a lot for your support, I really, really appreciate it, and Cole, thanks so much for coming on the episode, I apologise that i cocked up the sound somewhat, <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. Check in next week because there'll be another episode going live. Uh, And feel free to leave a review. Share the podcast around if you enjoyed listening to it. And I will see you next week for episode six. Thanks so much and I'll speak to you all soon. Bye-bye.